Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I'll let you find your seat as I get uh, situated up here. Uh, it is good to be with y'all this morning. Uh, so, as you heard, some of my prayer, uh, John called me yesterday morning and said, hey, man, I'm out. All right, I'm down. You got 24 hours. All right, you got 24 hours uh, to come up with something. Let me help you brainstorm. But he is not feeling well this morning. Uh, he went to the doctor and he has sinus infection and an ear infection. So he truly is out. All right. So there's no excuses for him. Uh, he sent me the full, the full detail this morning in a text. Uh, but so he is out and, uh, and I have, get the privilege this morning to share uh, with the body, with the springs, uh, and with all of y'all. So I'm grateful for this chance. Uh, last week, I know, uh, I pray it was a great Christmas and New Year. I pray the holidays were amazing, a time of great time with friends and family. Uh, I also, um, I hope that y'all were encouraged by our home uh, lesson that we got to send out to the church uh, last weekend, and uh, just kind of learning what I've been learning uh, through 2018 and through 2 Corinthians 4. And so I'm actually going to get to continue a little bit off of that talk, kind of part two of that, all right? So now what, basically? But before we get into that, I have a story to share with us, all right? And so uh, many of y'all know a few weeks ago we had I'm sure a lot of y'all had them as well with business or um, your job. We have Christmas parties, right? Christmas parties, you get decked out in a sweater, you got the whole thing, uh, you get ready, it's exciting, you bring gifts, you, you expect you to eat a lot, all right? Probably a lot of cider or hot chocolate, it's everywhere, all right? Uh, and so for about three, four weeks there, there's probably quite a few parties that go on. Now, us as a Springs, as a staff, actually had one ourselves, all right? So we had a staff Christmas party. It was at John's house. It was awesome. It was awesome. He knows how to throw a party, let me tell you. He and Taylor uh, hosted, and it was a blast. We had Italian food catered, all right? We thought we were kings, all right? And so we had Italian food catered. We had cookies and ice cream. We had the whole thing. There were a bunch of gifts. We had an auction uh, <laughs> on the gifts. It was really fun. So um, it was a really, really fun time uh, that night. For most, all right, for most. Uh, it was a really fun time for most. Now, part of, the, part of being on staff at the Springs, you understand, and really just, you try to build culture, right? We keep hearing that. John says it all the time up here, all right? You got to build, it's all about culture, all right? You build culture. Part of that is fun, right? You want to build fun. So you play a lot of games. We do a lot of consequences. So, hey, whatever we do, there's going to be a winner and a loser, all right? And so um, we had the wives joined us as well. Uh, so it was all the guys on staff, the wives, and then there was MK, and then there was me, all right? And so we showed up, and uh, we knew, hey, we're about to, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. There's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser. All the wives came in shivering. They were so scared. They were like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. They're so scared, everything. So we get to the game, all right? It gets time to where we play the game. And so... What it was, was a scavenger hunt. So we get clues, we get put into teams. So my team, all right, was the winning team. We didn't actually win, but I said it was the winning team uh, when we first got the team. It was Dan, JD, Jonathan Dennis, MK, and myself, all right? So I'm looking around at my team, you know what I mean? You get put into teams, you get split up into any groups. You're like, okay, I kind of like this, you know what I mean? I, I can deal, all right? And so we get put into teams, we do the scavenger hunt. The first part, part one, is uh, Christmas trivia. 
we win by 10 points. We kill it. I mean, absolutely kill it. The only thing we got the advantage of for that was a 15-second head start, okay? So for the first clue, so we run and get the first clue. It's in the backyard. We run to the backyard, put on a Santa suit. That was the first thing. Second, second clue led us to across from John's uh, house to the, I don't know, Panther Creek. Is that right? Panther Canyon? Whatever it is. Uh, anyway, so we go across the street, and there awaiting <laughs> is, this is, I think this is a pint. Yeah, one pint. There awaiting us is a quart, all right? So, I don't know, think double this, is a quart of eggnog. Now, here's the thing about eggnog. Everybody, you either hate it or you can enjoy it, right? You hate it or love it. And most of the people that love it can only have it in about that much. Are you with me? So, he, John, of course, <laughs> I love him to death, he goes up and says, one member of your team will chug this whole quart of eggnog, all right? And so we're all like, oh my gosh. And so I'm looking at my team, and I see Dan, all right? Dan's allergic to air, I think, all right? I mean, he's, he's allergic to everything. I love him to death. But I'm like, we're about to run to the hospital if he has this, all right? So none of that, not Dan. JD, the whole night, was making comments about, I've been saving my, whole, I've been saving my, my appetite for tonight, and literally had three plates. So that guy wasn't going to drink it. And then I look at MK, and this is all going through my mind as I look at the eggnog in John's hand, waiting for one of us to grab it. And then I think MK is standing there, and I'm like, oh, Shivery's not dead. I can't let her drink it, all right? I can't let the girl drink it. And I thought to myself, and I had made comments. Dan had made a comment that night, too. Dang, Garrison, you're putting down some food. And I was like, I am. So I had two plates of lasagna. I had two servings of salad. I had chicken parmesan. I had two cookies and ice cream, all right? I went in, all right? And so I'm already thinking, this is going to be bad. So I grab it. I said, like, what the heck? I grab the quart of eggnog and just start going, all right? I start going. Now I realize about halfway, it's not going anywhere, all right? It's staying right about here, all right? There's nowhere for it to go. And then I realize that... I totally could have let MK drink it because the other two teams let their girls drink it. And so I'm the only guy that's actually doing this, all right? And so Ashley Kinsley uh, and Jody Cowan, actually, were the other two contestants. They killed it. They did a great job. And uh, so we started in first place. We ended in third after that because I was down. I mean, like this, halfway. And they're, come on, G, you know, come on, man. I'm like, dude, shut up, <laughs> okay? I'm starting to get mad, okay? And so... We get the next clue, I finally drink it. This is gonna be bad. That's all I kept saying. I kept saying, I said, Dan, roll your window down. We get in the car, we have to drive to the church office. I don't even get out of the van. They go and do it, I can't even move. Then we get to the square, and I'm closing my story now. We get to the town square, and in December, they put the lights on. It's amazing, right? Everyone is out there. It's a Saturday night. And by the way, we're all in Santa suits. So everyone's staring at us of like, oh, who are y'all? We're like, we're the church, you know? <laughs> it's our Christmas party. And I get out of the car and literally, and again, it's downtown. There's a lot of bars. We park right outside of one. And I'm over here just chunking. <laughs> I mean, vomit everywhere. It was brutal. I know that was way too much information. Uh, I'm sorry for saying that, but it was bad. It looked like we had quite the time at our Christmas party. And I said, no, listen, it was eggnog. While that was happening, John's inviting a couple. Hey, come to the Springs, come to our church. And I'm over here just down, all right? And I mean, that next morning, I don't know if John brought this up, I was not here. I was not present. I was down for the count. And what was once great to me 
What I once enjoyed, and I actually bought this before the party. <laughs> this is now expired. Uh, it was in my fridge. Yeah, I needed to clean out. New year, new fridge. Uh, and so I bought this before the party when I actually enjoyed it, and now it's Satan's nectar itself. <laughs> I absolutely hate this stuff, and uh, this deserves to be in a grave, all right? This will never come back. I will never go back to that, right? I will never drink eggnog again. And I think you can all relate. There's always something, even when you're a kid, maybe you ate too much of something. My dad, it was apple cider. He drank too much cider one time. Had happened, a similar thing happened. Hasn't touched it since, all right? I know all of y'all can think about some different things that's been that for you. But to me, it is that awful stuff right there. Uh, And it did me in. And so it is time for that thing to be dead and gone. I'm never going back. You see, it's old to me, right? It's old news. It's in 2018. It's old. It's dead. It's gone. I can't go back. And so I'm going to talk to us a little about this morning about that kind of theme. Okay, so last week, uh, if you did get to listen to it, hope it was encouragement. I pray that it was an encouragement to y'all. We studied 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, right? And uh, specifically 16 through 18, and we learned, hey, a life for Christ, a life live, uh, sorry, when you live in a relationship with Jesus Christ, okay, you have to realize what the treasure is that you hold, right? We talked about jars of clay, okay, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as well. We talked about, hey, that beneath the brokenness of the jar is this treasure, Right? The second part of that was, hey, how to be renewed day by day. In 2019, we, we said, hey, we're going to pray for these three things. That one, you acknowledge the treasure that you hold and that you share it. Number two, we learned, hey, you got to be renewed day by day. And what does that look like? And number three, hey, it says in the verse 18, the close of that chapter, of chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, focus, set your eyes on things that are unseen and not on things that are seen. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to touch that. Actually, my first point is kind of a continuation off the last one from last week, from the video message. And so we're going to learn through Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read it together, verses 1 through 4. We're going to camp in four verses, all right? We're going to camp in four verses in Colossians chapter 3. I can't wait uh, to share with y'all what I've learned. Uh, we actually, as a high school ministry, or uh, really all students, yeah, student ministry, Elevate on Wednesday nights. Uh, I have the privilege to lead students here at the Springs, and uh, we have done a lot of studying in Colossians. The students are probably tired of it. Uh, I think that's why Ron took them out today, because <laughs> they're probably tired of hearing Colossians. And so uh, Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And so we're going to learn today, we're going to learn three things, Okay. Big fan of the three. So we're going to learn three things from Colossians 3. And number one will be seek the things that are above. Number two is there's no life in anything that is dead. And number three is the death of Christ means life for us. His sacrifice of death itself means that there's a new life in us and what that means for us today. And so um, a little context before we jump in. So Paul in Colossians, he's writing to the people at Colossae, right? And so Colossians is a letter, remember that. So normally in old times, they didn't have chapters like we do now. So when they read this out loud, they read it in a letter form. So dear blank, 
and then they read it. And so imagine, okay, um, imagine this guy coming back. It's, his name is Epaphras. He's the one that actually delivered the letter to the church at Colossae. Epaphras, I know, say that five times. And so Epaphras shows up and he starts reading. And so here's the context about what we're about to read. I never want us to start reading if we don't understand what's truly going on and what Paul's trying to say. So Paul's the author, okay, the church at Colossae. And so in chapter 1, he talks about the supremacy of Christ, preeminence. That is the key word for the book of Colossians, the supremacy, that Christ is preeminent. He is over everything. No ruler, no king, no matter how great, will ever compare. Christ is supreme. Chapter 2, there's a lot of false teaching going on in, in uh, Colossae at this time and in this church. So people are being swayed this way and the other, this way and that. So what Paul does in chapter 2 is he addresses this false teaching, right? And so we pick up in chapter 3 where then he starts and goes right at him, all right? After he talks about false teaching and saying, hey, be aware of this, be aware of this, you have to know truth. And now he's saying, here's why Jesus is the ultimate source of truth and why he lived and died and what it means for us today and how it applies to the Springs Community Church today. On this Sunday morning. So read with me, verse 1, chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also then you also will appear with him in glory. So the rest of the chapter, I encourage you, please, after uh, my message this morning, I ask that you please go finish this chapter because a lot of my points today will be, uh, will be only solidified with more scripture, right? A lot of what I'm taking from these first four verses that we're about to study will only be backed up more so by 5 through 12 and then the rest of the chapter as well. And so the main part of this book, or excuse me, this chapter, Paul is trying to explain, hey, there is an old self and there is a new self. Y'all with me? So we're about to use that vocabulary quite a bit. And I'm going to explain which each one is, what that means for us. Remember, old self to new. So we're going to start right here in verse 1, all right? We're, gonna, we're just going to break these first four verses down. And we're going to jump in right now. All right, so it says, here we go, reading again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I think here's the the issue, okay? Here's the deal. So Paul immediately, remember last time when I got to teach uh, through the video, we shared about, hey, vocabulary matters, words matter, Syntax matters. And so Paul starts this off, part three of his letter. If then you have been raised with Christ, it's a continued thought, right? So if then you have been raised with Christ, what does that mean? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in his name to be your Lord and Savior, then something has happened, okay? That's what he's saying. You have been raised with Christ. Make sense? So if you have been raised with Christ, then something had to happen for you to be buried in the first place. Y'all with me? 
And so if you have been raised with Christ, saying, hey, that's all of us, if you have trusted again, if you have trusted in the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then here's what he's saying. Then it matters to us. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The things that are above, we saw this in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul continues his thoughts. He continues to say this over and over and over again, but we're going to study the word seek. You see, seek has a lot of different uh, definitions. See, the one I'm going to use today, or the one that, that uh, actually Paul is using here, in Greek, we're going to actually get to study that word. But here, seek means to deliberately strive and desire something as an act of the will. To deliberately strive and desire something as an act of the will. So the Greek word that Paul uses here is zeteo. And man, I'm sorry, I didn't take Greek or Hebrew in college, so that probably, I butchered that. Uh, so any of y'all that did or understand that, I ask, I ask your forgiveness. Zeteo. Now, what's interesting is we see the same word in Matthew 6.33, one of the more popular verses in the Bible. What does that say? Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, what Matthew is saying there, what actually Jesus is speaking during that, is he's saying that, hey, do not be anxious. Remember? That's where you read that whole portion of scripture of saying, hey, even the birds, God takes care of the birds of the air, they have food. Why would he withhold anything from us? Why are we anxious about what we will have tomorrow? So what he's saying is, and then he finishes in 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, why are we studying this word? It is used in that same thing, in that same way. Sorry, the same word, zeteo, is used. Matthew 6.33 as the same word here that Paul uses in Colossians 3. Seek the things that are above. You see, seeking is different than looking. Am I right? You can look for something. I remember when I was a kid, I used to look for something, but not very hard. I remember my parents used to get so mad. I'm sure some of y'all have kids that's like, hey, will you go look for the remote? And all they did, <sighs> throw pillows around. Okay, I didn't find it. You know, they were like, okay, but you didn't really look. You know what I mean? You didn't really look. My parents would get so mad at me. That was a constant Thing that I, and little thing that I could have uh, prevented from being in trouble for. But I remember not really looking. Seeking is different than looking. You see, seeking is action. Looking can just be kind of standing here and I'm looking at something, but seeking is a pursuit. Seeking is to deliberately strive for something, to desire it. It's a conscious thing. To be conscious of something, to know that, man, that is of such great value that I'm not just looking for it, but I'm seeking it. So my first point is seek the things that are above. Seek them. I can't, man, I can't live a life. I don't know about us. I can't live a life anymore where I'm just standing here looking for something with no action. I've seen where that's gotten me. Nowhere. I've got to seek after something. It's action. You see, this whole chapter is filled with these same words. Seek the things that are above. Put to death 
therefore what is earthly in you. Put off, put on. These are all action verbs. They're all action words. And seek starts us off. And so what are you seeking today? What are we seeking? It's stronger language than to look for something. It's a never-ending pursuit until you have find what you are searching for. Here, the context, right here, Paul is saying that, hey, this implies putting your whole life at the disposal of God's rule and will so that nothing takes greater priority. You see, when you seek something, that's on your mind. It's the greatest priority you have in that current time. And so to seek the things that are above is different, is it not? So what he's saying is, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to seek after him. If you truly want to walk, and we're about to get to this, if you truly want to walk in your new life and forget the old to put it off, you got to be seeking for something. Because if you're not, if the old self is just sitting there right next to you and you're not doing anything about it and you're sitting here, how more likely are we to go right back? Y'all with me? And so seek after the things that are above. What are the things that are above? It is your eternal glory that is waiting on us. Knowing that living a life for Jesus Christ has eternal weight today for your life and for mine. The things that are above, the unseen. So see, it's a little bit of a continuation from last week. You see, I remember just to close this thought on seek, the word, zeteo. I remember when I was a senior in high school, my, uh, my parents decided to foster. They, they were, uh, we were a foster family for a little bit. And it was just two uh, little kids, four and two, Michael and Blakesley. And I'll never forget it. They used to come, you know, people were like, man, the price has already had eight siblings. They're like, man, two more, I guess. So we're like, no, 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 I promise, they're done. You know, we fostered them. And so I remember they would come to our games. They would be everywhere. They lived with us. They joined our family for the two months they were with us, or three months. Michael and Blakesley. I remember one day, Blakesley went missing. I got home from practice. All right, I got home from practice, and I remember my mom was frantic. We haven't seen Blakesley. We don't know where she is. And so I drop everything, and we're like, okay, what do we do? We had a search party. All right, I was about to call my buddies to get the dogs out. You know, I'm like, hey, we, we need them. I make a joke about it, but it was serious. It was really scary. We hadn't seen her. So we're looking. We, we live out in the country in Tennessee, West Nashville, where it's still, it's growing like crazy, but it's uh, a lot of country, it's still a lot of countryside. And so we're looking through the woods, looking at neighbors' farms, looking everywhere. Where is she? They've looked through the house. They said she's not in the house. I come back and say, Mom, I don't know where she is. I've looked everywhere. I go upstairs, just a thought. I was literally like, I don't know why, but I'm just going to go double check. I go upstairs, look through closets, look through everything, and for some reason, I'm like, I need to go into my sister's room, all right? Normally, as a brother, you stay away from the sister's room. I realize I got to go in there. So I go in there, and I start looking, and then all of a sudden, I look down, and I pick up underneath the bed, and she's asleep (laughs) under the bed. She had fallen asleep underneath the bed. Something that my mom had said, she was, my mom was so gentle and loving, but there was something that they acted up, and my mom says, you won't act like that, and Blake's got her feelings hurt. And she ran up and got scared and hid under the bed and fell asleep. So for 30 minutes, 
We were seeking, right? We're looking everywhere, under everything. It's frantic. It's action. It wasn't just looking or yelling, calling her name from the porch and just, oh, well. There was action taken. We were seeking her because we realized, man, how possibly could, we, could this happen? She is of utmost value. As a parent searches for their kid, so the same we're supposed to seek things that are above. I think it's crazy to think about that Jesus has done that for us. That zeteo is a word that Jesus knows all too well because he has pursued us. He still pursues us. And if you don't know Jesus today, he's pursuing you. He's seeking after us. Zeteo, that stuck with me. You see, again, I touched on that, the first part. If then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, we learned what seek means. We learned what seek the things that are above, where Christ is. He's waiting on us in eternal glory. He's with us today, but also he's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. So there's an eternal glory waiting on us. If then you have been raised with Christ. Again, I touched on this and said, hey, we'll go right back to this. Of saying that something had to happen. You had to be raised from something, therefore you were in the grave. So, before Jesus comes into your life, before you trust in Jesus, there is no eternal life. Okay? We're doomed to death in every sense. When Jesus enters the picture, When you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what then happens is now the Holy Spirit abides in you so that now you are a new creation. So that's what he's saying. You've been raised with Christ. Just as he died and defeated death, the same thing has happened to you when you trust in Jesus. It's the gift of God through eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6.23 says. So if that has happened, then we all have an old self. Make sense? Before Christ. When testimonies are shared, most people say, hey, it's before Christ, during Christ, after Christ. Those are three ways to know, or three kind of goals to try to hit, to try to meet when you're sharing your testimony. Before Christ. So your old self is that person you were, your flesh that you were living in before Jesus entered the picture. But here's the thing. The old self creeps its way back in. So we're going to read. We're going to continue. Here we go. So just a little transition. Remember that. If you've been raised with Christ, we had to have been in the grave first. Read with me. Chapter, or sorry, verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. There it is. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. It's just continuing the same thought. But then here, verse 3, for you have died. Now, again, I encourage you all to read verses 3 through 12. It talks about this old self, what that means. It also, verse 13, picks up on this new self and what the new self looks like. But we're going to sit here and camp in verse 3. For you have died. 
You see, we had to have been in the grave before. This old self is when we live out this death that was once us. When we live in our old self, I don't want to make sure this is clear before we move on. When we live in our old self, it simply is living in something that Jesus has already paid for. It's living in our flesh, choosing what pleases us, choosing selfishness, choosing all the things that you're saying, man, Jesus, you died for that. I don't want to go back. The old self should be in the grave. You see, he's paid the ultimate price to defeat that. He's, Jesus came down, he sought after us. Zateo, he sought after us to defeat that by his death. When we choose to live in our old self, what we're saying is, Jesus, your sacrifice was not good enough. Your sacrifice didn't truly free me from that. It's convicting I don't know about y'all, it's convicting to me to even teach this because then I look at my own life and say, God, I hate that I want to keep going back. I hate that the old self is so close that I'd live in my flesh when I'm not careful. I hate it because I know that the old self didn't bring me any life. Now, here's what the old self looks like before Christ or maybe just in general, when we live in our old flesh, when we live for the flesh. Now, here's what it looks like. Broken, lost, sinful, alone, ashamed, self-seeking, lies, as it talks about. Put away lies. If you continue in the chapter, he talks specifically what this old self looks like. Self-seeking, deceit, relation, oh, sorry, uh, chains, pride, pleasure, the old can look like sin patterns or addictions, continuing in those, never truly putting them to death. Whatever addiction that may be, selfish tendencies, fears, approval of man. Sometimes, some of us are saying, okay, hey, I've moved from that. Now, some of us today may be in this boat where things are not as unnoticeable or as noticeable. Comparison, judgment, picking out a speck in someone else's eye, right? We have a log in our own. Approval of man. I already said that one. <laughs> you see, we like that and it's easy for us to go back into that. And I'm not trying to, hey, I'm not at all trying to condemn us or saying, man, we really stink. Now, obviously we know we do. But what I'm trying to say is, hey, this applies to all of us today. Amen? <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that defines my flesh. That defines my old self. That defines my everyday thinking, if I'm not careful. And so here it comes, creeping back up, the old self. You see, why do we allow it to stay here? Why do we allow it to continue to run back to it? Because we know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to get with it. 
It's comfortable. You know it. It's easy. Sometimes it's pleasurable. It's fun to think about self and to live everything for yourself. The fun has its time. And at the end, it brings us back to where we were at the beginning of the old self. Broken, alone, ashamed, guilty, guilt-ridden, scared, lots of pride. You see, it, live, it feels good to live for ourselves, and that's why it's sitting there. You see, every time, here's the deal, every time that we go back to our old self, what we're, digging, what we're doing is digging up this old self that has already been paid for and that our bones are there rotting, they should, just like I said the eggnog needs to be buried, right? The same thing as our old self, leave it there. And what Paul is saying is every time we do this, the old self, if you don't put it to death, as you read in the rest of the chapter, what you do is just keep getting closer to the shovel and start, oh, I'm just gonna, just gonna do it a little bit, all right? Then before you know it, you don't even know who you are anymore. And the hole's been dug, your grave's been dug back up that Jesus has already been paid for, that has already paid for and saying, man, there's so much more. What are you doing? I love you. I sacrificed everything for you to seek me, and yet he continues to seek us. That's good news for us this morning, even when we pick the shovel up. And so my encouragement to us is drop the shovel. Drop it. I don't know about y'all, I don't wanna see that thing anymore. I wanna drop it for good. I wanna bury it where my old self is buried, what Jesus has paid for. Jesus has given us this freedom that's saying, man, drop the stinking shovel. Quit going back, it's not worth it. I'm sorry, I get a little passionate with that because I know what's, what's in that grave of my life. And I know where it put me in the place I was in when I lived all for myself and I know I don't want any part of that anymore. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever old self looks like, I promise what we're seeking after is a million times better than what we settle for by picking that shovel back up. Amen? And so drop the shovel. There is no life to be found in anything that is dead. It's dead. It's gone. Eggnog's dead to me. <laughs> it's dead. But guess what? I know that point number two, the old self, it's a little convicting. There's a heaviness to it because sin is heavy. There's action words. There's strength of language that Paul uses because your old self has strong consequences. And the new self has great freedom and life. And so there's good news out of this. Because he continues, he doesn't stop there. So again, I encourage you, five through 11, excuse me, I said 12 earlier. Five through 11 is what the old self looks like. So please read it, it's so good. 
12 through 17 is the new self, how, what the new self should be like. There's good news because the new self far outweighs the old. Like I said, it's a million times better. And what I'm so thankful for is that Zateo is here in verse one, that I cannot just drop the shovel and stay here and be this close, but be seeking after something to put that behind me and to be going somewhere else. Verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'm going to finish verse 3 real quick and then keep going. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. What that means is eternal security, eternal salvation. What that means is if you have trusted in the name of Jesus Christ that God's grace has saved you by faith, we've seen that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We know that to be true. That's the gospel. If that is true, you are now hidden with Christ. Where is Jesus? It's at the right hand of God. Things that are above, this eternal glory is awaiting us. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what he's saying, what Paul is trying to say. So then, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We hit on that. What happens from the old to new when you become a new creation? It is now Christ that lives in you. Your old self, your flesh is gone. You now have the power of Jesus Christ, it says. In Romans, that resurrected from the dead, the same power is given to us as believers in Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. So when Christ, who is your life, Galatians 2.20, appears saying at the end of day, at the end of time, then you also will appear with him in glory. I could teach three sermons out of these four verses. I know I skipped over a few things that are so important, but we can't miss this. Christ's death, his sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for us, means life for us. In 2 Corinthians 4, we saw the, um, what is it, comparison, okay? You could compare the verses. You could compare the differences in language. For you have died, so death, but then it says, but then you also live. So life and death, okay? They're opposites. The difference between the old self and new self is drastic. And it's simply this. That's dead. You're now alive. And so Christ's death means life today for us. I don't know about y'all. That is all I have to hold on to today. Because when I want to pick up that shovel, what that looks like is approval of man. Every time I look to John for approval of, am I doing my job well? Shovel, approval of man. Every time I look to y'all to see, hey, can I, uh, am I doing a good job? Shovel. Anytime I lust after anything, shovel. Digging that up. 
I don't know about y'all, but the only thing I can hope on, hold on to is saying, God, I got to seek after you. Because I know I've been forgiven for that. Every time I want to go back there, I know you seek after me. And I don't want to just stay here anymore. And I don't know about y'all. Zateo, seek. I want life. I don't want to be a dead man walking. I don't want to be a zombie. I desire life to the full in every sense. You see, glory awaits those that surrender to Christ. It is a daily and never-ending process. Remember we talked about last week about renewed day by day. I know it's tough. Some, year, some people in 2018, even coming to the Springs, I know, even in our community group, in my community group, I'm, I get to walk with five guys, uh, not the burger place, uh, <laughs> five guys in my community group that we uh, just started in August, right, August or September. And it's been amazing to see what the Lord has done in all of us through community in three short months. To see, to know that, it, man, it's a daily devotion. It is a daily Zateo, to seek after Jesus. And man, we fall short every day. There's forgiveness. But see, here's the thing that's amazing about that group and seeing it firsthand. I'm using that as an example. And some of y'all have seen it in your own lives. Is that sometimes we're down. Sometimes it's like, man, that was a really tough week. And I don't see if it's worth it or not. Living a life, seeking holiness, pursuing a life of faithfulness and holiness not choosing my flesh. What's amazing about being reminded of saying, it's worth it, man. There's life to be found. And so I'm telling us, Springs Community Church, it's worth it. Life is to be found through a life with Jesus Christ. It is a daily renewal. And so I tell you, wherever you are today in your walk with Jesus, maybe you don't have one yet, I pray you do. Keep going. It's worth it. No matter if you've seen this much growth in the past five years of your spiritual faith, maybe you feel, man, I don't know what the presence of the Lord feels like anymore. It's been years to think that it's something that you can attain. It's something you have to work up to to get. Jesus has not left. If you are in Christ, it says here, I got to believe everything that this Bible says because it's the only source of truth in a world of lies. That's saying your name is hidden with Christ. We look for security in all other areas, and yet, here it is. Seek after him. Christ's death means life for us. You see, when this happens, though, when this happens for us, when we know where we've been and what we're going towards, there should be something to say, I got to tell others about it. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want any of that for anybody else, right? If I truly know the glory of my Father that is awaiting me, that is also here on earth, where it can be found studying scripture, where it can be found in prayer life, where it can be found living in community, when we live in holiness and we're seeking after Jesus, we see glimpses of that glory waiting on us. We see it here on earth. When I know that, and I'm turned away from this, all I can say is, come on, come with me. I don't know about y'all, I'm not great at that. 
I don't do a great job of that. There are opportunities I miss all the time to share that because I don't believe that every day. I don't know about you. It is extremely hard for me to live in Zeteo, seeking after Jesus every day, knowing that, God, you are so much greater than what my flesh wants. And so where are we at with that? Are we bringing people along? Those that are lost, that are dead men and women walking. We're saying, there's so much better than that. You're seeking security in so many things. You're seeking life in so many lifeless things. There's life to be found. What better news can anyone hear? It's so where are we at doing that? And I'm right there with you. I want to learn. I want to get better at this. Because I know, I think immediately of friends. I think of names immediately that I'm like, God, if they only knew. If they only knew the goodness of Jesus, the goodness of Christ, that they only knew there was life to be found in a relationship with him. You see, if we see the eternal glory ahead of us, if we see something, if we see something that blows our minds, we go and tell. I got a text two days ago from Jenna Tucker. She's a senior here uh, that goes to the Springs. Um, and uh, awesome, awesome girl. So she texts me and says, hey, I'm at Passion. 2018, 2019, sorry. <laughs> here we go, it's January. 2019. We got to go. Next year, we need to get a group. We got to go. And a passion is a conference of uh, young adults, college students and young adults around the country. And they all come together, normally in Atlanta, but this year it's all different, all different places of the country. Passion conference. And she texts me, you got to go. We got to go next year. We got to get a group. She saw something that was greater. She saw something that was like, that blew my mind. What do you naturally do? You go and tell. Same thing happened. I had two guys that uh, stayed at our house last year in Dallas that came to a conference in Dallas. They're from California. They're leading a church. I'm closing up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm closing here soon on this. They're leading a church. 20 people meet. 20 people, these are two guys, 22 and 23 years old. They heard about a conference where truth is taught. They fly, they buy planes, they've never been. They had streamed some of the services live, and they're like, man, we gotta go. They get on a plane, they go to Dallas, they show up on our doorstep. One of my buddies invited them, I was like, yeah, y'all can stay with us. I thought it was awesome, it was really cool. We sat up talking till 3.30 in the morning before we had to get up really early to go back to the conference and work, all of us, the roommates, and they got to go to it. And they're sharing these stories of, I can't believe this. Well, we got to challenge them with, they kept saying, man, I wish we had this. And I said, go be that. Bring it to California. Bring it to LA. They then signed up. 15 more people to come with them next year. They said, hey, I've seen this. You gotta come. Imagine the glory that's awaiting us. Imagine if we kept that perspective, what it would look like of saying, come on, drop the shovel. Let's go. Eternal glory is waiting. 
And so what do we learn from these four verses? Like I said, there's so much more to be had. But what we learn, seek things that are above. Seek, zeteo. It's action. It's far greater than looking. It means so much more. Drop the shovel. It's not worth it. It's time to drop it. I don't know about y'all. I'm done. And if y'all ever see me pick it back up and whatever that looks like, you tell me, gee, you got the shovel, man. (laughs) I give you that freedom. I want to say thank you. Bless you for saying that. Help me drop it and help me walk away. Help me seek Jesus. I pray we're all there. I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts all of us to say it's not worth it. So drop the shovel. Paul is saying you have been dead, but hey, you were dead, but now you are alive. Your new creation, the new life far outweighs the old. Life is found only in Christ, no matter where we look. So here are three things that we can take away. Those are the three points of today's sermon. Here's three applications. How do we do it? Where do we go from here? Seek his face. We won't regret it. Seek. Remember, we talked about knowing the treasure. Seek his face right here. We got to allow the old self to to be killed by complete surrender. It says, kill, put to death. We got to be adamant about putting our old self to death. Allow community to help and saying, Lord, you have saved me. And by the Holy Spirit, you have defeated that. And so drop the shovel and allow the old self to be killed by complete surrender of saying, I will not turn back. I'm going here. I don't need it. And my third is keep going. Keep pursuing It's worth it. I know it sucks. I know that it stinks. I know that there are times where you're like, is this worth it? Keep going. Invite others in. Live in the light as he once was in the light. Community is vital in walking in this new life. Keep going. The old has had its time. It's time for this new life to have in full effect. It's full effect. And so as I close, if you see my shirt, it is a bow and arrow, right, what you see. But then if you look more closely, it's a baseball field. It's a baseball diamond, all right? And then the arrow is a baseball bat. So this guy named Jack White, he's actually lead singer for the White Stripes, all right, Uh, (laughs) and the rock band, Jack White, and then a baseball player named Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler was the second baseman for the Rangers, right? He was with the Red Sox recently. They paired together and made this baseball company called Warstick. Now, their whole thing is Ian Kinsler hunts. Now, a baseball phrase, I'm just, I'm a baseball nerd, all right? A baseball player, I'm a nerd, all right? Y'all are just going to embrace it with me, okay? A baseball phrase, yeah, drop the shovel, not, the, not that one. Uh, a baseball phrase is to, <laughs> is to hunt the baseball. It means you're going up to the plate with authority. It means you're going up with a plan. It means to hunt 
And so I love this brand. It's called War Stick. Look it up. It's stinking awesome if you're not a baseball fan. It's amazing. And it pumps me up. So for Christmas, all the boys in my family got these shirts. Now they look different. Each one is different. Now here's the thing. All of their logos have to do with war. There's a hawk. There's a, like a Trojan helmet. There's a sword. It all has to do with war for hunting. I was driving uh, to one of my buddy's weddings in November um, and just finished at a hunting trip. It was one of my, man, really, really fun week. I got to go hunt up in the panhandle, kill my first buck. It was awesome. Uh, and then a day later, I got back, worked a day, and then headed up to East Texas to a lake house from one of my best friend's weddings. I'm driving. I'm talking on the phone about y'all. I make a lot of phone calls on the road. It's just an easy way to catch up with people. When you have eight siblings, it's an easy way to knock it out. Right? You start calling them. You're just saying, hey, I've, you know, haven't talked to you in a while. So you start talking. Talked to a few siblings, and my brother Matthew calls. I was just about to call him and tell him about my hunt. I was so super pumped to tell him, man, I got a buck. He calls me, and he says, hey, man, I could hear in his voice, something was up. So I immediately digress, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait to share about my buck. I want to hear what's on his mind. And he shares that... Uh, Two days before, he had had symptoms, went into the doctor, and uh, they rushed him to the hospital, and they found out he uh, has colon cancer. He's 37, extremely young uh, to, I think it's extremely young to have that in general, but then obviously, he's got a wife, a kid, and immediately my mind starts racing. As I'm in my car, my brother tells me this news, and it breaks my heart, and I'm like, What? And so I'll never forget what he said, though. Matthew called. I mean, what do you say? You can't say anything, you know? I mean, he's like, I don't, I don't really have any words. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm praying with you. I'm praying for you. I'm in your corner. That's all you can really do. And what he said is, I'm about to start treatment. It's starting immediately. We're getting, they're being very aggressive with it. I'm going to war. That thing has no place in me. And I want it to be killed and go back to where it came from. I'm going to war. And so the reason I bring up these shirts is that my brother Luke knew about the company. And he emails them and calls them and is just like, hey, we'd love to get shirts for the brothers. And so my brother Matthew now, when he goes in for radiation, wears his shirt that says, Battle across his chest. There's others that say grit. This was mine, the one that I got. And you see, we're leaving here. And when we leave these doors, right, it says that there's an enemy prowling around like a roaring lion. And what we're saying is, hey, I want to drop the shovel. I don't know about y'all. I want to drop it. And I want to walk in new life and live as a new creation. When we walk through those doors, what the enemy desires is for us to come out whistling with our shovel on our shoulders, ready to go back and live in our old self. What I'm saying is there's a battle to be had in our everyday lives 
There's a choice to be had every single day. Let renewal, let sanctification have its full effect in us. It's time to go to war. I don't know about y'all. The war has been won already. We have an eternal place in heaven waiting on us, eternal glory. Live in that truth. Drop the shovel. And let's go to battle together every single day as a church, as a body of believers. Let me pray. Father, right now as I think about him, I lift up my brother Matthew. God, as we heard better news this past week, but God, I just pray that you help him continue to go to war. But Father, just know, Lord, that the war for his soul has already been won. That as his body battles, his soul has been won over by you, and I thank you for that. God, I pray that you heal him in the name of Jesus. That you heal my brother, be with his family, be with his marriage. Father, I pray that anybody else out there, I know that, man, that is just one little tiny story of something going on in the midst of 150 people here today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you heal those who need to be healed. Will you just give security and life to those who really need it today? We welcome your Holy Spirit, Father, to have its full effect in our lives. We love you. Help us drop the shovel and seek after you. Thank you for seeking after our souls and saving us from ourselves. We love you, Lord. Help us live this out in action and help that good news be the way that we live and carry it out. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Have a great week of worship.